begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast. I am Steve, joined as always by Jesse. What's up, man? Dude, looking forward to this conversation. We spent a little too much time uh, talking about it before the podcast, but let's get into it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a topic we've talked about. I mean, not just today, plenty of times in the past. How can we make you know this sport more interesting as far as its structure goes? Um, so we're going to dive into that, but first we're going to get to some spots. What's up, guys? Steve here. Thanks for listening to the Power to the Ground podcast, the dirt bike podcast that looks to revolutionize the media in motocross and supercross. We upload the podcast every Sunday at 4, and you can listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also check us out at www.power2theground.com, where you can find merch, giveaways, and exclusive web content. And if you want to join the conversation on Facebook, you can take part in weekly polls, and don't forget to share with all of your rider buddies. Now... Back to the podcast. So before diving too far into today's subject, um, want to recap the poll from last week. So the poll, Jesse, was? Yep. The poll that we put up on Facebook last week was, what is better, motocross or supercross? And the uh, the results were actually pretty surprising. They came out. It was uh, 55% for supercross and 45% for motocross. That was definitely closer than I think I was expecting. For sure. Um I thought I thought it was actually going to be 60-40. Um, so it was kind of in the range of what I was expecting. I was thinking like a 65. I mean, honestly, I, I, I part of me expected somewhere in the range of like a 70-75 for Supergross because of... And this is going to tie perfectly into our subject today, but the amount of money and time and promotion and uh, production value put into Supercross would have you think intuitively that it is the more popular sport version of the sport. Um, But it seems like, and it's a smaller sample size, of course, but that's, I think the way I put it earlier was it seems that these, you know, the sponsors and the AMA and all these people, they weigh Supercross way heavier and way more than the fans themselves do yeah and you can see that in the money spent i mean some of these riders can win one race in supercross and make more money in that one race than they do in an entire season of motocross so uh the money is definitely so heavily skewed towards supercross that you would think that the fan reaction would be the same and i think that's what i was kind of expecting with the result of this poll you know is is the the fans reacting similarly to that weightedness towards supercross um and it really wasn't the case no not at all i think for me what what i kind of gained from this is that fans of dirt bikes and you know whatever cross in general are just fans in general right so they don't care if it's indoor, outdoor, enduro. If if it's there and you and you give it to them and you present it to them in a good way, uh, they're going to consume it because we love dirt bikes and we want to watch people racing dirt bikes. That's right. just what it comes down to. So the question is, if they balance that, if the powers that be balance that and weighted those those finances a little bit more equally. In other words, if they brought the production value of outdoors up. Um, 
with the spectacle and the kind of the bigness that they give to Supercross, do you think motocross would be as popular? Um, I don't know, uh, especially when I factor in some of the comments that I saw on this poll. Um, the people who are in favor of motocross see Supercross as a joke. It's a, a, like the it's like a circus to them. So uh, I I don't know uh, if you make motocross more like Supercross. Um, I think you lose some of those people, and it's those were not outliers. Those were the majority of the comments were people who were in favor of motocross and saying that Supercross was a joke. Right. So here's, you know, the other part of it too is the atmosphere, right? And I think that's probably part of what they're talking about. Um, I don't mind the spectacle. I don't mind the fireworks and the big intros for all the riders and like all these cool things going on. I I really don't. I think that's just, it's a fun atmosphere. You know, when when we went to Supercross, you know, a few years ago, um, I I had a blast. I thought it was great. Um, The people who are going to those events are not the same type of people who are going to outdoors. Correct. The people who are going to outdoors, from our experience in both, are diehards, people who ride on a regular basis, maybe people who rode amateur, tried to turn pro, uh, family events. Um, there are people who care more about the the uh, the bikes themselves, the races themselves, whereas on the Supercross side of things, I think you get a lot of people who are going like they would go to Monster Jam. They just want to see some dudes riding around on dirt bikes and big jumps. Right. Well, not even just Monster Jam, just any professional sport. I mean, a lot of these, it might be all of them take place, no, except for Daytona, take place inside of professional football stadiums. Right. So a lot of these people are, it's like they're going to a football game. Uh, You know, it. It's just a professional sporting event to them. Casual versus diehard, I think, is kind of where I'm going. Perfect. You know, Supercross draws in a lot more casual fans, whereas motocross seems to have a lot more diehards. Yeah. So taking that into account, how do you capture the best of both worlds? Well, I don't think you focus as much on the casual fan. Okay. Um, personally. And, and the reason I say that is because I think... Um, casual fans are going to come and go. Kind of know what you do. Their casual fans go to these events. They don't know what the standings are. They don't know who's who can. I mean, Villa Poto wrapped it up uh, the year that you and I went. Yeah. Um, at the race that we were at, and I'm willing to bet seventy percent of the people there had no idea that that was even a thing. Yeah. Like that he was could wrap it up by just basically finishing the race, or and, that there was a season, or that there was an entire season. It was just oh, this isn't just one of those like circus tours where Monster Jam where they just kind of go around and you know ride dirt bikes for people. Like that's okay. It brings in money. Fine. Um, I don't think you focus on those people. I think you focus on the diehards who know the ins and outs of the sport the people like us right hopefully the people that are listening to us um and i think that's where you start i think that's your foundation and you build off of that yeah um i mean the whole thing it comes we'll go right back to it it comes down to the media and and their lack of immersion in the sport um because the fact the matter of the fact is if you made all of this stuff more immersive and more accessible to even the diehards fans you're gonna naturally bring in passive fans who then convert into diehard fans exactly so you know um 
I think both of them have their their ups and downs. Um, I, I love watching both. Yeah, Here's the thing. I do I, too. I don't care. I think that I love watching both and for different reasons. Um, but I, I do think that um, outdoors could stand to recreate some of the spectacle of Supercross. Um, maybe not all of it, especially as you're not in a stadium, so you don't get the same impact um, that you would in a stadium. But And it's more of a festival, like picnic atmosphere. You know, yeah. it's, it's a different atmosphere. So, you know, having too many fireworks and all this craziness going on, I don't think works for outdoors. See that I would disagree there, though. The biggest event of the year in outdoors every year for like 10 years now has been Washougal, and that's exactly what they do. They just they spectacle. It's a spectacle. That's that is if I'm gonna go travel to, uh, you know, uh, somewhere across the country to go see an outdoor. That's, that's the one I'm going. going to. Okay, sorry. So uh, I'll I'll even give you that. Maybe they can stand to use more of the spectacle. I think that fits into what I'm saying is the production value, both on site, which is where the spectacle, the fireworks, the big showmanship part of it comes in, even in the festival atmosphere, but also the. Um, the way the media is handled, the way the coverage in general is handled, both pre, during, and post right. race, um, that is, in my opinion, outdoors' biggest failing. Yeah, I mean, it, the, neither one of them do it well, but out like Supercross attempts it. Well, Supercross <laughs> has the facade, right? Supercross yeah. has the look of a professional coverage, and then behind the scenes, you're like, ah, oh, this isn't working really great. Motocross and the outdoors don't even attempt to have that right. look. It's like it feels like some like local uh uh yeah. public broadcasting station, some dudes out there with a camera and like it just it just feels so cheap. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Cheap is a perfect way to explain it. But yeah, I mean it's to to wrap up the poll, I guess it's it's not. I, I, we both expected Supercross to win it. Yeah. Um. I. I don't think either one of us expected it to be this close. Um. Well, you know, look at it. Who's taking this poll? Very likely, more often than not, the people who are taking this poll and the people we are reaching with this poll are hopefully more diehard right. uh, fans, casual fans who would say Supercross because they don't even know what outdoors are, aren't really taking those polls. Right. So I think Which actually makes it even more interesting because you're absolutely right. The, the, the segment of people that we have voting for this are riding dirt bikes and probably ride dirt bikes on a very, very regular basis. And Supercross and still won. Supercross still won. That's a good point. That's interesting. That's a, ooh, all right. We can act, we'll have to circle back to that. So that's... That's fun. Um, didn't think about it like that. Yeah. No, it just hit us. I like it. So, th- but that does kind of segue a little bit into what we really wanted to focus on today. And that is how, how can we improve the championships in our sport structurally? Right. Right. And that's kind of where we wanted to go with this. What yeah. changes can we make structurally to both indoors and outdoors to make the sports more interesting throughout the season? Right. I think is the big thing. So, um, let's just throw it out there. The production value of motocross has to get better. The production value of both sports has to get better. Um, you, we can't have you sitting there mentioning the sponsors for the 14th place rider while there's a pass or first going on. Right. And we're missing it right. live. 
Um, they've started to do the split screen a little bit more, which uh, was an absolute necessity. Um, they still they still have a long way to go. So that's not what we're really talking about today, though that is something we should discuss on another episode. Yes, absolutely. The media coverage does need to improve. We know that. That's what we're all about. But this is structurally, right? So, so Jesse, what do, what do we mean when we say structurally? So we have a point system right now. So um, in how many how many races are there in Supercross? Is it 17? 17 or 18, I think. Yeah, yes. so somewhere. And then you have you basically you have a point system, and depending on where you place um, dictates the amount of points that you get out of that race. And at the end of the season, the, the rider with the most points is the one who wins the championship. It's a pretty straightforward system. Yeah, pretty straightforward. You show up, you race consistently, you get your points, you can probably you're, you're contending for a championship. Yeah, right. Though it's 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 straightforward, but even little tweaks to it can make a huge impact. Like the one they made after Tomac uh, almost yeah, he came lost. back and won against Dungey. Right, and they they made the change and they changed it from uh, first place was worth twenty five points. It is now worth twenty six points. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's now worth twenty six points, and if you had applied that rule change to the year prior Tomac would have won a supercross championship and he would have just he would have just edged out Dungey. I just had a funny thought. So <laughs> they made that rule change because well, first of all, before the funny thought, they I think the reason they made that change wasn't to cater to Tomac, it was because they realized the better rider didn't win the championship that year. Yeah, I I think that Tomac deserved the championship that year, and he's he's probably deserved it every year since. <laughs> but especially that one, right? And they realize like, oh man, our system doesn't quite. Um, and this is a huge problem. Our system is not good for comebacks. Right. Our system does not leave much room for major comebacks and like awesome tales of started bad and then came here it's did you just fin did you finish every race somewhere around the top five then you're probably going to win it unless someone else did a little bit better like and and the seasons of that of two or three riders consistently finishing in the top five through the entire season are rare right everybody crashes yeah <laughs> everybody has bad nights and like so i get rewarding consistency but it doesn't reward pure talent enough i'm not saying it has to switch completely but it doesn't reward pure talent enough and it certainly does not leave room for what tomac tried to do that year right the funny thought is what if this rule change costs tomac a championship where if you had applied the old system he would have won and ends up losing <laughs> that would have been amazing how, how how awful does he feel like he got this rule change because he probably deserved it that year right and then that rule change cost him the championship so i just just a funny thought so what do you what do you do? Do you make so the the biggest difference that they they had that they made is that first place finishes are worth more now. Right. They're 26 Which points. They should be. Right. They should be. So do you increase the the points again for first place? Um Cuz if you're getting 30 points for first place and second place is getting 23 points, then 
Yeah, then it's really difficult to run away with it unless you're winning back and back to back to back to right. back races, which in that case, if you're winning seven or eight races in a row, you probably deserve to win the championship, right? Right. Um, I think that as a potential solution, the one point was a small, subtle change, but clearly it would have made a difference the year before, so maybe, but was it enough? Um, my issue with the current structure of Supercross in particular um and to a lesser extent motocross but definitely still the same thing is how often the season is just over with like four or five races to go right sometimes it's over halfway through the season and the rest of the season is just a formality right um and that that bothers me because what's the point of having 17 18 awesome exciting races if half of them matter in the case of a full championship um so just increasing points for first place isn't necessarily enough. What I propose, and and I'm going to get into some radical changes here, some radical propositions as, as opposed to just, you know, um, switching the point structure around. I'm talking about changing the entire structure of how you hand out a championship in this sport. And my first idea and something I came up you, you and I talked about a few weeks ago um, is the idea of, and oh, I... I almost said it. The stock car racing league in our country has implemented this playoff system. And while I cannot stand the driving in left circles, you know, racing format, their way of dishing out a championship instantly got better when they implemented a playoff format into their sport because it, they were having the same issue. Drivers were just wrapping up the championship way too early. Nobody was watching except for the few diehards. Like if your rider isn't the one that's going to run away with the championship, why are you going to bother watching? Right. So they implemented this playoff system and it worked. Holy crap. I mean, I don't, I don't really watch NASCAR, um, <laughs> but uh, as far as I could tell, at least at first that playoff system had, a major, major positive impact on the sport. And I think finding a way to do that in supercross and motocross could vastly increase how pe- interested people are in the sport through the entire season, not just the beginning of it. Right. Yeah. I think the playoff there, there's definitely a lot of merit to the playoff situation. Um, I think the likelihood of them moving to, I think they'd have to go through several renditions of rule changes before they get to a playoff system. Um, unless NASCAR just, you know, plays big daddy and says, you know what, we're implementing a playoff system, but then that would hurt their own product. So I'm not sure they would ever do that. That's a whole nother (laughs) podcast that we can get into. We've got topics for days. Yeah. So, um, I think if we just, just the idea, I mean, let's think about this mathematically because I just brought up the point of making the first place. 30 points and keeping everything else in the field the exact same as it is right now. Okay. Tomac rattles off four races to start the season. Um, and let's, let's assume that, all right, let's just go Mooskin. Mooskin takes second. Roxon takes third for all, for all four, four. Okay. for all four races. Sounds okay. like a Mooskin thing to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we've got, um, we've got Tomac at a total of, 120 points four mm-hmm. races right and then you've got Muscan with 92 mm-hmm. 
That's four races. You've got a 28-point gap. gap already. Okay. Tomac, for the next two races, finishes seventh. And Muskan finishes first. He's right back in it. He's right back He's in right it. He's right back in it. And that's that's the, you know, that's the idea behind why they gave the first place more points and is is wins can get you back in it. Right. Um, yeah, that gap sounded huge when you just said it, but then I realized, well, whoa, we're four races into it. There are thirteen races left that any number of other riders can win and get huge chunks of points at a time to get back into it. Right. I think that solves the problem goes away towards solving the problem of um, allowing for the possibility of comebacks. Um, so I, I'm 100% on board. What that doesn't necessarily solve is the season ending early if right. somebody's failing Just to make going that comeback. Right, and, but at that point, really my only solution, if you were to just maintain this, this point system, my only solution um, to fixing that problem of the season ending early is find better riders. <laughs> so well, hold on. So I know when it comes to if you were going to just only tweak the point system, if we were going to make that our criteria, I agree with you. Jack up the amount of points that first place can get. Um, and you want to talk about some races because now halfway through the season, when you have a 30 point lead halfway through the season uh, or a 40 point lead or a 50 point lead halfway through the season. And you are the first place rider with that 50 point lead in first place. And that second place rider is right on your tail right now, as it stands right now, if that right, if Muskin passes Tomac, if those are the two riders, that guy in the lead's like, okay, Ooh, you get three points back on me. I got a 40 point lead with five races left. Who gives a crap? I'm going to maintain second. It's all about the championship, not individual wins. I'm just going to maintain, right? How many times Anderson dad just, just go into maintain mode, right? You're not even trying to win races anymore. That is a bad product. Yeah. First of all. And because there's no chance for a comeback, it doesn't matter. Now under this system, you got a 40-point lead with five races left to go, and the person in second place is right behind you and goes to make that pass. You're going to try your damnedest to stop that because that's right. seven, seven points. points. That's a chunk of points. And if they do that two or three races in a row, next thing you know, what is going on? You can't afford to just take second places because first place is going to start gaining on you. So how crazy do you go with these point systems? Do you Do you start going from... 1 to 50 now as far as points go and you give 50 points to the first the first place rider and you give 40 points to the second place rider I, I don't think you go too far um and and the biggest reason well if you scale the rest of the points it doesn't matter right, right and that's what I'm that's what I'm saying though the biggest, if you scale so heavily in favor for the podium riders and you actually make it so that there's a big big difference between first and second there's a big difference between second and third and then from there on out i mean if you go 50 40 30 and then you get 25 tw 22 right. 21 whatever it is uh, the the problem I, I see there with, with that line of thought is while it opens the door for the major comebacks throughout the season, um, the potential for blowout seasons is just too great for me. I think um, 
you have a rider. I mean, oh my god, under that point system, Dungey runs away with half of his championships three, four, five races into the, because of the consistency, right. right? So it's it's he had what, what was it? It was something ridiculous, like twenty something straight podiums. Right. It was absurd. You see, suddenly you start scaling too heavily towards the podium. Nobody has a chance to catch Dungey because yeah, you might have gotten first in this race, but you were fifth in this race, and that gap is so big that it averages out to way less than Dungey's first, second, second, third, third, fourth. You know, second, third, third, second. So Dungey runs away with, and that year that he finished like on the podium every time he runs away with it. It's not even a close championship at all because um, nobody was making a push because of that level of consistency. Right. So, um, skewing too far towards the front is also dangerous. I think you have to find a balance there. I don't think they're there yet. Um, I think there's a, there's a definitely a lot that can be said about the talent pool as far as this because let's talk let's talk about this. Um, Apply this 30-point rule that we're talking about. 30 points for first place, 23 points for second place. So everything else stays the same except for first place. Everything else stays. Tomac retires right now, doesn't even race this this year in Supercross. Do we have a big problem with this rule? Or even if they keep it right now, 26 points, and Tomac retires this year, do we have a problem with the rule? The problem, the thing that I see here is that there's really not a problem with the system. There is it's it's great to look at the talent pool and say, you know, there's there any rider on any day could win. I don't really see it. We've got one rider that as long as he doesn't beat himself is going to win every race. And that's a problem. And it's not because of the system, it's because there is a lack of talent in the sport. And um you, I can't see, even if, and I know, I absolutely understand that there is a difference between factory riders, but Barsha's a factory rider. Is Barsha going to go out there and beat Tomac? No. No. Flat out not going to happen. Barsha's on a factory ride. He's on the premier, the, the premier factory ride on his factory team, and there's no way that Barsha's going out there on any given day and beating Tomac. It's a fair point. I mean, it's definitely a fair point. Um, you know, competition is is the biggest problem right now. Um, so let's get into the competition. And I also want to talk a little bit more about completely different structures. Um, okay. Outside of the point systems. Um, I, I Let's have some fun with it. Let's just let's just go absolutely balls to the wall let's go and come up with some fiction. Let's go, go fiction. Complete fiction. Because I know you said my idea was definitely not going to happen anytime soon. Let's have some fun with it. But yeah, uh, we'll start with a, the with a talent pool. But we're going to take a break right now. The talent pool issue is an interesting one um, because who, how do you, where, where, like you're talking about what they have found and they got scouts everywhere to be some of the best writers in at least the country Yeah. Um, on these things. Yet the gap between the first th- four or five riders and everybody else is massive. And again, I do think that gap closes a little bit personally when you talk about money being yep. thrown into the rides. But you're right. Barsha is on a factory ride. Money is not an issue for his team. And he does not compete with Roxon. He does not compete with uh, Muskin and, and Tomac on a regular basis. Just He'll have flashes here and there and then fade. These guys are like the best of the best in this sport. So 
how, how, but how do you fix that? How do you, you can't just be like, um, find more talent. Yeah. It's literally what they're like. The scout's job is to find more talent. They're right. dumping a lot of money into finding talent. Is it just not there? Do we need better training programs? Yes. I, yeah, uh, which I, I, I mean, think absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of, a lot of points in this. So, um, one is, um, the sports reach, the sports reach is minuscule. It's, most people don't even if you were if you were to talk to a lay person out on the street and start talking about supercross they're like Who, what? Mo- exactly what you said is like were we talking about monster trucks <laughs> no so the the reach of this professional and i'm using quotes right now this professional sport is so minuscule compared to what a professional sport should be like if you're talking about a professional football team and the amount of talent that they have to pull from every every high school has a football team basically um there all right there's small there's a small percentage of football team uh, schools that don't have a football team most of them do. but most of them do so there's a huge Soccer. there's a huge Soccer pool teams, baseball teams. right so there's a huge pool of kids getting into this sport and and working to win races in this sport uh, as far as soccer, football, baseball, hockey, any of those major sports is a huge, huge talent pool to pull from. And it's just a numbers game. The more you have going into the amateur parts of the sport, the more you're going to have to choose from and the more competition that you're going to have at the professional level and the very, very nature that we have such a small, um, there, there's a small pool of kids who get into motocross and supercross. I mean, look at Loretta Lynn. All right. Loretta, Loretta Lynn's the only, I'm sorry. This is, this is a complete tangent. Loretta Lynn's the only like, the it's really the only window into motocross and supercross. If you don't go through Loretta Lynn, you're not getting you, noticed, and that's the right. problem, right? You're, you're what you're basically saying is that the next Ricky Carmichael and the next Eli Tomac and the next Jeremy McGrath could all be out there, and we will never, ever, 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 ever find them because they don't live in the South in California or like Washington, you know, like exactly. these, these areas that are huge for this sport. You know, this guy could be living in. I don't know, Cleveland. Right. Like, and, and he has like the potential to be the next great rider, but because he doesn't know about the sport or have the opportunity or access to the sport, um, then we're never going to find him. And I think that's a, that's an absolute great point. The scouts can only scout people who ride. Right. Exactly. <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, or who at least know about the sport. There might be great riders out there riding trails right now that don't compete in races that could, and could make this a career. So, uh, I think that's a, that's an incredibly valid point as far as the, the level of competition goes is we there is a small pool. And it's just so funny that no matter how hard we try to skirt around where we want to, you know, and talk about different things, that is the fault of the media. Yes. The reach of this sport and the small pool that the professional teams have to choose from is the fault of poor media coverage. And we're back again. We're back We're again. back again. We can't get around this. No matter what we talk about. Think about it. How do you... How, all right, so how do you make... 
How do you get more kids into your sport? You make them interested in your sport. Yeah. You make them beg their parents to buy them dirt bikes and take them to races. How do you get more kids into the sport? Your coverage has to be phenomenal. You have to video games, um, 24-hour news cycle, uh you know, events yeah. that, that like that appeal to kids the media coverage has to reach the kids. youth and the kids but more than what they are i'm talking about around the country start coming up with mini indoor supercross tracks that kids can go rent and ride from those little electric dirt bikes i yep. don't care what it is the reach has to improve and the way for the reach to improve is better media coverage. Yeah, absolutely. And it's you can see it in professional sports. When sports invest in youth, they grow. When sports stop investing in youth, they, they turn into baseball. They turn into baseball. <laughs> the MLB America's pastime has been America's sport for a hundred years. And they they're dying. They're dying. It's, it's a, a dying slow, sport. It's a right. slow, painful. Why is it death. a why is it a slow and painful death? Well, because they refuse to let it die. They yeah. refuse to let it die because there's a ton of money in it. But in 20, 30 years from now, the talent pool is going to look exactly like motocross and supercross. Oh, absolutely, because kids don't care anymore. And here's you know the other big problem is you have to adapt with kind of how the times are are coming to. Baseball games are just way too long. Yeah. Nobody wants to spend three and a half, four hours watching dudes throw a ball and hit swing at a ball. I'll watch a three-hour football game because it's full of action. I'll watch a three-hour right. hockey game because it's full of action. Baseball is a, by its nature, more relaxed sport, which is fine if you're talking about an hour and a half to maybe two and a half hours if you go into extra innings. Right. I'll watch that. Kids will sit down and watch that. No kid wants to sit around and watch this this sport for three right. and a half hours. Now, and it's, that being said— yeah. The opposite is true for a sport like motocross, where the action is just constant, right? Um, so you can get away with these longer events and these longer nights. So it's not it's not that. It's not, you know, the events themselves right. and how they're covered. I don't think that that's the issue. No, it's and it's not and it's not the sport itself either, because baseball is a boring sport. I don't care who you are. If you disagree with me, you know, it has its its exciting parts moments. and its moments, but it's not an exciting sport in and it's, and I don't it think it's supposed itself. to be either. It's not right. supposed to be like that. And it doesn't of... have to be. It doesn't have to be. Let's look at the opposite of that. A sport that has invested heavily in its youth in the past decade. Golf. Golf is everywhere now. Kids are going to golf courses. Kids want to be the next Tiger Woods. They want to be the next whatever that Rory kid's name is. Whatever, you know, I don't I don't watch golf, so I don't know yeah, it. I know. But I see these kids' names. There's Nike endorsements everywhere. They're throwing endorsements there. They're making they're making um uh, golf clothes that are more appealing to a, a younger audience. They're making golf clubs that are more colorful and more appealing to a younger audience. They're investing heavily in the youth, and you can see it in their media coverage. Their media coverage is more geared towards a younger audience, whereas 20 years ago, golf, if you it were... It was an old white man It sport. was an old white man sport. If you yeah. were anything other than a 65-plus old white man, you were not watching golf. It's not the case anymore. So here's a thought. Do you think a part of it, too... Uh, we know the media is a, a big part. Uh, I, I get this notion... 
that there is this somewhat uh, how do I, like a hipster attitude among diehard motocrossers when it comes to expanding nationally. No, this is my. Can you imagine what happens to the people who run and go to and hype up Loretta Lynn every single year if you start popping up Loretta Lynn's? Uh, all across the country, right. they're pissed, right? They're, they're looking at it going, no, 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 this is our thing. You, you, no, we do this. This is how we do it. This is how the sport does it. If you want to get to a pro, you come into Loretta Lynn, and that's how you do it. And they suddenly get that hipstery, we were doing this first, this right. is my thing attitude about it, which people do when it comes to things that are considered underground, yeah. which this sport technically is compared to the big ones. I think that's a barrier to entry. I it think is. that's a barrier to growth. And there's, there is a other means of getting into it. You can go the privateer route and right. never win a race ever. So I think I got media yeah. <laughs> covers it. Because when you, when you overwhelm the sport with new public coverage and hype, uh, those people are kind of silenced. Yeah. Those, peop- those, those hipstery kind of don't touch my Loretta lens and my sports and my path. And we've been doing this as a family for generations. Cool. You can keep doing that, but we want to bring other people into it too. They get kind of silenced because it's like, sorry, that's just not the way things work anymore. Right. Um, so you absolutely need to expand the talent pool. Yeah. Through the media. Um, Wow! Yeah, we went. Wow! Yeah, this is great. Uh, All right, let's let's go into fiction. Let's let's have some fun here. Um, so my my proposal with the playoff thing, right? Um, just to kind of get us back onto the the structure, was solely to make sure that the last five or six races of the season were just as, if not more, exciting than the first few. Let's take a look at some examples of sports where playoffs are good for the sport. NBA basketball. Literally, it does not matter what seed were <laughs> after like the first two, you know what I mean? Yeah. You get like home court advantage. You five, six, seven, eight, doesn't matter. The regular season means literally jack diddly squat in the NBA. It except really for getting into the playoffs. Except for getting into the playoffs. That does two things. One um, that makes the end of the season super exciting for teams who are on the brink of a playoff berth. So between like the six seed and the ten seed, if they're in like a certain amount of games within, that's awesome. That's huge. That's you get a playoff race. The playoffs themselves suddenly the season matters again. Right. Like you start over. You say okay, everybody's back on equal footing except for the seeds that you earned during your regular season. Um, and now let's play it and we have a winner. Without the playoffs, if you just crowned the champion. Can you imagine if the It'd NBA so just crowned the champion by, at the end of the season by who had the best record? Yeah. I mean, even look at baseball. I mean, the wild card race at the end of the regular season in baseball is, is the best a part of it's baseball. It's a playoff. It's a playoff in, in and of itself. Into It's a playoff into the playoffs. Right. And it's an, it's phenomenal. It's the best game of the year yeah. in baseball. Barring, barring like game seven of an ALCS or a World Series. The best game of the entire 162 plus playoff games of an MLB season is those wild card play in games. Yeah. Because your season is on the line right. in that one game. And you go, oh, you're just making the 162 not matter. No, they matter greatly because that's how you get into that. Part. Exactly. So it's, just, it's the same idea. Can you just imagine if all of that was just t- game sevens? In any sport are my favorite part of any sport. I would take a Game 7 of a Stanley Cup final over a just a single Super Bowl. Personally, I know Super Bowl is huge. 
But the same idea. It's a one game. Right. The idea is you take all that away and just say, you know what? That The year that uh, uh, Golden State broke the single season win record and actually ended up losing the championship. That doesn't happen if you just say, oh, okay, well, we've played 82 games. Hey, uh, Golden State, you're the, sh- you're the champions this Good year. Job. Congratulations. And everyone's like, wait, what? <laughs> Can you? Look, that's what motocross does. That's what Supercross does. Yeah. They just, at the end of the season, say, hey, good job. You have the most points. You're the champion. What? Right. That doesn't make sense. It clearly doesn't work the same way. Yeah. So why not take it and say, for 12 races, you're racing for seed in the playoffs. Yep. You take eight seeds, whatever the number is. You can play with the numbers. The top eight riders in points, kind of like it is now, make the playoffs. Then you have a three-round first round of a playoff bracket, and you take the first foot, and you, you know you give each the seeds basically mean you start off with a small points advantage. So first place will start off with a ten point advantage, second place with eight, whatever, whatever you want to do. But you get a small points advantage depending on your seed. Take three races of the first round. We'll call it the first round of the playoffs is three races and knock out the bottom four. Right now you have four riders, three races. Winner take all. Right. You cannot tell me. So that's an that's an eighteen race season, right? You have twelve, three, and three. Right. Um, you cannot tell me that people would not lose their absolute crap if four <laughs> riders with three races left in the season all had a chance at winning the championship. Right. It would be can you imagine with four races left? You got it's gonna be Tomac, it's gonna be Roxon, or it's gonna be Anderson, and they have three races to duke it out. Because you know any one of these riders can go on a three-race tear. Right. Oh, my. And now they're all at their absolute best. They're pushing their absolute. There is no maintenance. There is no, I just need to finish in the top five. I just need to not crash, and I win it all. Nope. You need to push because these other two riders are pushing, and you got three races to win it. To me, oh, my God. I like, I'm getting excited just thinking about that now. Yeah. You know, I've, and we've talked about having a playoff system before, but when you structure it that way, yeah, I'm totally on board. <laughs> Does that not yeah. sound so exciting? So the only the only argument that I think I could poke into that is that then you have the you have a so the way that they do it right now is for every race you qualify, you qualify to get into the race. And I don't think that necessarily needs to change, but then in essence, what you're doing is you're creating a regular season, which is basically a qualification for the championship. Mm -hmm. So then you have qualifications to qualify for a qualification race, which then if you finish the qualification race, then you can be entered into the championship. There's a lot of... But, I mean, I think you could mitigate some of that, right? So let's say uh, the top 10 finishing 15, whatever, finishing riders in the previous race get a qualification right. in. You still qualify for, like, gate pick, but you're you're in the race. What about instead of doing a race-by-race qualification, you do a season qualification? Like a plan for the season? Yeah, like you have to qualify so to it, get yeah, into but the then, series. But then I think you're compounding your pro- your issue with it even more. Is like you have to play in, you have to race into the season, and then you have to race into the you know the first round of the playoffs. And then suddenly now you're like it's the whole thing is a playoff, which I don't necessarily mind. I don't mind the structure now. I think qualifiers are important for gate picks. You know, um, on, on like a weekly basis, you know, you whoever qualified the best gets the best gate pick. I think that's a totally fair way to do it. You ride better, you ride faster, you get to pick the gate. Right. Cool. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily mind if the, if that's how they would do it. It would just like you qualify um, because 
uh, why not do this? Why not just limit how many racers get to qualify and make the qualifying, not qualifying to race, but qualifying for gate pick? Like you kind of said, you know at the beginning of the season the riders that are going to be in every single race. So all qualifying really it cha- does. It changes, though, based on geography because sometimes there are privateers who show up to the races and they and sometimes they even qualify. And it's the only race that they race in all year. So, but that's that goes back to the structural um, <laughs> lack of integrity on like how the teams or structures are set up. Right. My, under this, my thought would be that um when the riders are set those riders are set you can have your like local versions of the races pre-races minis whatever you want to do with it but um if a rider qualifies for the season they get sponsored to go through the whole season right if it's a privateer that shows up to that big like pre-season we'll call it the pre-season qualifier right where it's like a huge event and like this is awesome like you know play you know race into the regular season all this other cool stuff um you get if you qualify for that if you're a privateer that qualifies for that you don't just show up at washugal because that's where washugal is being that's where you live you get paid to go and race the whole right. season i think that's that'd be so awesome when so how awesome would it be right all right, the beginning of the season. All right, we'll we'll just go with Supercross because now this is we're getting into real fiction land here. How awesome! I don't. Would by it the way, be? real quick, I don't think that the playoff system is that far removed from no, no, no. possibility. But yeah, okay. Yeah. So let's go into. Some so fun this stuff. is this fantasy, is fantasy world. This is fantasy world, and this is just for for the um. This could actually actually this could play a part in in um in the talent pool itself too, so. If you were to have that qualification for the entire season at the beginning of the season, right? Say you have 22 teams. Each team gets one rider. Um, so you've got, you know, Monster Energy, uh, Kawasaki, you Red Bull, KTM, um, you know. Rockstar Energy, Husqvarna. Right. There's, you know, there's one sponsor for one team on their bike, whatever it is. In order to qualify for the season... You can't use a factory ride. You have to qualify on a privateer ride. Ooh. Ooh, I like that so much. So everybody rides the same bike. You can tweak within rules your to, to your comfort level suspension things like that. Right. But you are all on the same bike and make them all 250s just to screw it. <laughs> <laughs> really make sure you know how to handle that thing. I love that idea. I absolutely love that idea. Everybody in the same. Now, here's my issue with, as we're talking about this, my biggest issue with, like, the qualify into the season thing. What if Tomac goes down at the beginning of that and misses the qualifying for the season? Do you really want a full Supercross season without Eli Tomac in it? Well, what if I? What if you did... I don't know. What if you did like a uh, uh, like a shoe in? So you had like a top five automatic I, I, qualification. I think you have to. Like you know, you get your your top top five to ten like sponsored from last riders year. from last year or whatever it is are automatically entered into because you know for a fact it's not good for the sport to have someone like Eli Tomac or Ken Roxon right. not in a season in the entire season because they didn't they they went down in a qualifier right and uh, that gives you that gives you even more. Because it, that gives you even more incentive to push. Because say you only did the top five, and you're right now you're sitting at number six in so the standings. Towards the end of the season, 
and you know that you lose your you don't just lose you don't just lose a season you lose your ride top eight the play people who make the playoffs in one season are automatically entered into the next season i request the highest of fives (laughs) because because then you're right then the end of the season matters even for people who may not have a shot at the champion. Like they think, like, I'm not Eli Tomac, I'm not gonna win. But if I can make this eighth place and make playoffs, uh, I get automatic sponsorship for next season. Right. Oh, you're gonna have some really good, like physical, intimidating races at the end of a season, which we don't have right now. Right. That would be amazing. I am totally on board. Um absolutely a hundred percent with all of it. So oh. then, you know, and then your qualifying races are exciting, but they're still preseason, right? They're like, who are the other riders going to be this year? Right. Um, you know, so you watch it as like a preseason hype up to get into the regular season, but you already know the big the big eight are going to be in there, you know, whatever, last year's playoff qualifiers or something. So do you um, keep do you keep the two classes, the 250 and the 450? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, love, I love that part of this sport. Yeah, because me I too. Think do you see them grow? You get to see them grow, and it's like, it's like, mixing like for football collegiate and, and yeah. pro or like in baseball that you get to watch a triple a game before you get to watch a, a full game and i love that idea of um not just having the minor leagues which the 250s is but having the minor leagues on the same stage as the big bikes right because then you get the comparison the back and forth comparison watching them back and forth and then when you see a rider that makes the jump and suddenly i don't know I, or I even that. for one or two races a, a year you know sometimes you have a 250 rider if you're riding west and the east is he'll is, jump, up, uh, he'll jump up from the east and you get to see basically the the collegiate football player jump onto an nfl team for right. a single no, game it's so good it's so, it's so good so yeah no you would i think you would absolutely and i think the 250s would have their playoffs um, I think you combine East and West in this, if in this, you know, playoff system. Yeah, I don't system. understand the East and West and the two hundred and fifty. Probably money. Yeah, probably. You know, traveling. You know, the minor league riders aren't don't want to travel as much. They don't want to pay for them to travel as much. Yeah. But I think in this system, you kind of have to combine them and just have a two hundred and fifty playoffs and a four hundred and fifty playoffs. Right. And uh, and I don't you don't even have to call them play race offs. I think I wrote down a race offs or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just some way to like you know elimination kind of races. Um, I think is just such a great way to keep the excitement for a season through the entire season. Now, let's talk about one more topic as far as fiction goes because we had it was a few weeks ago, we had a really good conversation about the team aspect of motocross and right supercross <laughs> becoming a bigger part of the sport in whole. Give me an outline. Give me an outline of what we're talking about here. Oh, geez. Uh, so, I mean, it's been a little bit since we talked about this aspect of it. But the idea is that um, races are no longer – and championships are no longer individual-based. Right. right. Like right now, you get the rider who has a team technically, but it's but about it the rider. It's not. <laughs> like the team doesn't share points. Right. Um, the team doesn't, um, you know, there are no team strategy or tactics outside of hey team orders. If you're in front of them, let him go because he's, or, you know, whatever the case is. Um, it's so individual based. The idea here was to be shrink maybe the number of teams, but give each team a certain number of riders. So let's say, uh, monster energy Kawasaki gets four or five riders and then Red Bull KTM gets five riders and then blah, blah, blah. And now. You create this team dynamic where you don't get individual points. Like, they'd probably track it as a stat because that's what people do. But as far as the championship goes, 
you don't get individual points. Your team gets points right. based on your team's average finish. And I, really, honestly, I kind of like how the motocross, motocross nation set it up. Yep. Thought that was phenomenal. Turn that into it. Basically, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the idea was to turn something like the motocross of nations into an entire se- like right. uh, uh, season long championship thing. And um, for me, that was so exciting because you still got to root for your individual riders, just like you would root for players in your favorite team. But you right. got to root for your team, and there's something tribal and inherently like awesome about having a team to root for as opposed to just being a fan of one person like i I think there's just a dynamical yeah especially especially when you localize those teams right you know if you we're in rhode island right now so we've got you know the rhode island pipe punishers i don't know something like that so the boston two strokes you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) you got the boston two strokes you know they're five there are five or six riders or whatever it is competing in a season-long nationwide championship structured similar to the motocross of nations and just yeah i'm all about that and you can have a similar playoff structure you could yeah. or you could have like a world cup style thing where it's like uh you know you you compete with your group for the regular season the group entry gets you into the tournament and th- i mean that's basically how most sports divisions division wins get you into the playoffs you have yeah. wild cards all that stuff i think you could structure it exactly the same and the team the team dynamics in in the team sports that we're talking about with football and baseball those things play a huge role because Right now, all we're talking about, the, the team really doesn't have much to do with, with anything other than the bike that they're on. Um, and all they're doing is investing money in mechanics and parts in order to make that bike. In this case, with the team dynamic, then all of a sudden, you get you get into contract negotiations as part of the sport. Where, yeah, this year you've got Tomac and uh, you've got, uh, or last year you had Tomac and Ciancia Rulo on the same team. This year, Ciancia Rulo moves up to the 450, and who do you got? You've now you've got Tomac, and you got to fill your spot in the 250 role, and you've only got so many choices, and you've got contract negotiations with other 250 riders to pull them into. Well, your... and that's the other aspect, right? So Ciancia Rulo and Tomac are teammates right now. Right. Technically, no. They're, they're rivals right now right. because they are both going to be competing for the same championship. They are suddenly rivals. So there is no team dynamic there right. unless it comes down to like the end of the season. They're like, yo, uh, Tomac gets precedent. So you need to get out of his way. Right. Um, that's not team based tactics. Right. That's, that's just team orders because Tomac has, has seniority, but if they're competing for a championship, they're not against each other. They're not on the same team. Right. And that's what I think this whole thing removes. You don't win individual championships in this case. You win team championships. And I do think that suddenly changes strategy on the track a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, let's just talk about out, like outside outside of the races themselves. And if this this season you have Ciancio Rulo jumping up from 250 to 450. What that would look like under this whole thing is – so you've got you get 450 points you get 250 points and i don't know maybe maybe you do you add a 125 class so you can start throwing you do a flex class kind of like you do in motocross and nations right so then what happens this year what happens this year um you've got siansu rulo who has decided for himself he's on the monster energy kawasaki team and we'll, we'll we'll assume that this this is this team dynamic thing is in place he says to himself all right i've got one more year on my contract as a 250 rider on the motor on the uh monster energy supercross or monster energy kawasaki team 
Tomax the 450 rider. I can't go up to 450 because Tomac is there. I've got to go find another a, a contract on another team as the 450 as the premier 450 rider. That in and of itself right there for me creates a ton of interest in the sport because then you've got riders strategically moving around from one team to the next based on who the riders are that they're that they're and not only that the team dynamic you've got Tomac on the team this year and Cianci Rulo was on the 250 last year and Cianci Rulo decides he wants to move up and ends up in Suzuki on a 450 and Kawasaki pulls in some bum rider on suddenly Tomac being the most dominant rider on the on the face of the planet is irrelevant to this the championship as a whole yeah I completely agree I think that that's so the team dynamic is definitely something I think uh, I would really I, so here's my thought right let's make a part two next week yeah we got uh, we got to because I think we could just keep going with this but I think we're gonna be we, let's let's wrap it up because here's some things I want to talk about next week we can continue with the team based thing because I think that's a really really interesting we can talk about more benefits that team based uh, championships have uh, as opposed to the individual race championships. Um, yes, I understand it's an individual sport, but so we'll get into some of those debates. We'll see what other people, you know, maybe say about it. Um, I also would like to get into, um, combined championships. So finding a way to bring motocross and supercross into kind of the same overall circuit umbrella, um, something I wanted to bring up, but we'll save that for part two. So it's definitely still a whole lot to cover here. Um, we'll probably go off on more media tangents next week, but I, I, what do you think? You want to do part two next week? Yeah, I definitely want to do part two. Um, what are we doing for a poll this week? Ooh, man, we didn't talk about our poll. How about how about could Supercross use a playoff system? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would you would you be interested in Supercross having a playoff system? Boom, boom. Let's see what let's see what people yes say. Let's or see if no. we're just like completely now. Here's the thing. I want to put in the comments of this poll, go listen to this podcast because it's a lot more than just, oh, there's a playoff. Like right. I think when the way we outlined it specifically with, you know, the rounds from, you know, 12, 12, regu- 12 race regular season, three race first round that knocks out four, and then the full, you know, three race championship for the last final four uh, is the structure. Right. right. Like that is the way to do that. None of this other craziness that people are going to talk about. So. Yeah, if you listen s- to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> if you're listening to this episode right now and uh, we're talking about the poll right now, so find us on Facebook, go over there and answer to the poll. Share it with all of your friends too, because we want to try to get a huge data set on this. We want to find out do you want to see a playoff system integrated into Supercross? I want to see because if we get a lot of positive feedback on this, like, do we roll with that? We roll with that, right? Because, oh, all right. I'm excited. We yep. could keep doing this. Let's let's wrap this up. Uh, Facebook Live. So here's something else just before we uh, before we wrap up. We're going to start looking at uh, doing some Facebook Live stuff here pretty soon. Yep. Yeah. So um, one of the things that we want to look at is how to um, get you guys involved into this conversation. So it's not just a one-sided conversation. You know, we're, we're doing our best with the polls so we can get your feedback on everything that we're talking about. And, you know, we're, we're working it into what we're talking about. But what we can do is while we are recording this podcast, we're going to set up either my phone or Steve's phone or, I don't know, one of, you know, 
so we're, we'll do we're gonna set it up somehow and then um we're gonna do a live broadcast of us recording the podcast and um well we're gonna open it up to you guys to chat with us while we're while we're recording the podcast that way um, if there's something that we said that's dumb, you can correct us there on the spot. If there's something that you want to hear us talk about, um, you know, maybe we can open up for like a a, a listener. Uh, yeah, questions, questions Q and A, facts at, um, at the end or something like that. Yeah, I think that you know um, whether we start doing that next week or you know it's still kind of in the works, but just something to kind of keep an eye on. We want your feedback for sure on whether or not it's something you'd be interested in. But um, yeah, look, and, you know, the near future Facebook Live is very likely going to be in- integrated here, right? Um, into what we do, we got the the poll coming up. We got part two next week. We don't even have to worry about a topic for next week because I think this topic just basically exp- it expanded so much. <clears throat> I think it's um there's so many different ways you can attack this. We can even come up with other potential structural changes outside of just increasing points in playoffs um let's you know so there's a whole lot we can still talk about in part two next week so um i think that's probably a good place to stop dude do you have anything else buddy no man uh share this with your friends this is uh what is this is episode 16 now wow we are rolling we are rolling so what uh, let's come up with a name how to not make supercross suck part one how to not make supercross suck part one I am on board. There we go. <laughs> That's <laughs> Part two, episode 17 will be next week. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all the support, for the likes, the shares, participating participating in the polls, all of the above. Um, it's why we keep doing this. So thank you so much. And uh, I, I think it's it. We'll see you guys next week. Yep. See you next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.